So we have been in this series called The Good Life. We've had a couple of weeks off because there was an ice storm that was insane two weeks ago, and then we kind of did something different for the election night last week, and so we're getting back into it tonight. And this series we decided to do um, basically because we're in these young adult years of seeking for a lot of people, happiness in whatever the good life is. We want to have a good life. Other people want us to have a good life, and so we thought we would just spend some time breaking that down. So we've been in Matthew 5, and we're going through the Beatitude statements um, that Jesus makes in the Sermon on the Mount when he's explaining to people what it looks like um, to be in the kingdom of God, to be a Christ follower, the way that we live in this world that's different um, than the ways of the world. So we're going to be there tonight, but first I'm going to tell you guys a quick story Um, And this story begins back in July, which was a long time ago now, when I decided just on a whim one day that I wanted to become a bike person. And I just decided I'm going to get a bike, I'm going to learn to bike, I will be a biker. And I had this whole vision in my brain. I just kept seeing people biking and I was like, that just looks so fun with their little shirts and helmets and their crew. I was like, I want it, I want it on that. And so I had a birthday coming up and I was like, I'm going to save up some money. My parents will chip in a little and we're going to become a bike person. So I decided to do that. I started doing my research. Bikes are not cheap, FYI. Um, and I start looking around for the perfect bike. I was like, I want like a good one, but not a great one. But I also want one good enough to make me commit to this newfound hobby slash sport. So I find a bike, I go into this bike shop, like pretend like I know what I'm talking about as the dude's like telling me about the different sizes and weights and aerodynamics and I'm just like, mm, yes, yes. And trying to play it off like I know anything about bikes. And so I get talked into this like totally overpriced helmet, just the whole thing. And so I buy a bike and I start biking all the time. And a funny thing about my personality is I just don't ease into anything. I'm like, oh yeah, I can do this 20 miles sign me up. And so I'm like super sore for a week. I'm just like hobbling around, but I'm like, I'm doing it. I'm a bike person. I just go every day because I'm like, I just paid so much money for this bike. I will bike. And then about a week into being a bike person, um, I just was on a nice ride downtown on a Sunday evening. And I was just relaxing, just enjoying my time. And I was actually praying and I was like, God, thanks for this bike. Thank you so much for letting me have a bike and just enjoying the joy of riding it around. And I was just having a conversation with myself inside my head as I often do, whatever, better for better or worse. And I was like, man, it's kind of weird that I like biking because usually I don't like things that I'm not good at. And I was like, it usually takes me a while to get good at something, so I usually hate it at the beginning. I don't know if anybody else is like that. But I was like, oh, I must be a really good biker. And so I just start feet pumping myself up. I'm like, I am excellent at biking. <laughs> I am really good at it. I picked up on it fast. I didn't even have to learn from anybody. Just like super arrogant inside my brain of how good of a biker I am. And then I'm sitting at a traffic light at like 10th and Walker, if you're familiar. And I look down and I see a streetcar track. And I was like, oh, that looks kind of dangerous. Other people should watch out for that. That was literally the thought process I had in my head. And I was like, my, like the wheels on a road bike are really tiny and that thing's like not that tiny. And I was literally like, other people should watch out. And then about 32 seconds later, Mary Ashton should have watched out because I am biking along, minding my own business. There's like cars coming on both sides. And all of a sudden, my bike goes in the streetcar track, and I not just fall off my bike, I like catapult 
off my bike, <laughs> over the handlebars and land like flat, like this, like a pancake. And, um, and just laying there in the middle of the roundabout at like Walker and 10-ish. And the person behind me slams on their brakes. Everyone on the roundabout slams on their brakes, puts their cars in park. And all these people are running over. These dudes are like, are you okay? <laughs> I'm laying there like, am I okay? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just not sure if I'm actually okay. And I'm laying there trying to figure out if I'm okay. And I'm like, I think I am. So I like roll over and start to get up. These people help me up. And this, before these dudes and this lady left, they were like, can we do anything? Are you okay? And I was like, I think I'm okay. And so I like just drag my sad bike with the chain off of it <laughs> over to a parking lot. And there's like all these people sitting on patios, just cackling probably. And um, I just sat on the ground for like 30 minutes. <laughs> it was just like, I am okay. My pride is not. And like, there was like a tire mark on my shirt. It was just so sad. And so eventually I like put my chain on and bike home and it's a whole thing and I make it home and I'm fine. Um, but in that story, I was like massively humbled. I had thought, I'm a good biker. Like it had literally gone through my head and I'm sure the Lord was like, oh, you're gonna get a kick out of this girl. Uh, Cause you were about to catapult off that bike. And um, anyways, I'm super, super humbled. But I was humbled not by choice. And this is relevant to tonight because we're going to talk about choosing to humble ourselves um, and choosing to put on a spirit of humility. So tonight we're going to be looking at Matthew 5 5. Um, if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. And we're going to look at the whole thing, but specifically Matthew 5 5 that says, Blessed are the meek, or your version might say humble or gentle, for they will inherit the earth. Um, that is the verse we're gonna be camping out in tonight. Blessed are the meek, or the gentle, or the humble. I'm gonna use all three of those words interchangeably because in different definitions say different things. Um, for they will inherit the earth. And um, when we think about the word meek or humble, I used to hear that word growing up and think, like kind of in church, I feel like it was used as like, just be a nice little meek person, this little dainty thing. Um, and I was like, I have a lot of things, but I will never be probably meek. That sounds like my worst nightmare. It sounds really boring, it sounds kind of sad. Um, but I just didn't have a proper understanding of the word meek. And so meek is actually a really great word. Um, and a really good definition for the word meek is strength under control. And I love that. Um, strength under control. And so when we talk about meekness tonight, that's the kind of meekness we're talking about. We're not talking about just like wimpiness or someone who doesn't care, someone who's apathetic. We're talking about a strong person who chooses to take that strength and put it under control. Um, and we're also gonna talk about humility and a definition of humility that a lot of y'all have probably heard that I'm a big fan of, comes from C.S. Lewis, and it says that humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Um, and I think that is so good. Not thinking less of yourself or that you're a lesser person, but just thinking about yourself less. And so the reason we're using Matthew 5 as this text is because it says, blessed are the blank for they will blank. And that word blessed translate most literally as happy. And so when we talk about happiness, the good life, what's gonna make us happy, this text is about to tell us several things that will make us happy, that will lead to a happy life. So we're gonna read um, the whole thing really fast, 
and then we'll get into it. So Matthew 5, starting in verse 1 through 10, if you have your Bible. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And so I think when we talk about happiness, that's another word we need to define. I know I'm giving you a lot of definitions, but I just think it's helpful to have definitions when we're trying to understand what the Bible is saying to us, because sometimes it uses words we're not as familiar with. So when we talk about happiness, this kind of blew my mind when me and Andy started planning this series a couple weeks ago. It was like, what is happiness? Where does that even come from? I think of the Need to Breathe song. I don't know why. That's just like what comes to my mind automatically. Um, but it's just kind of this thing that we all seem to be chasing, but I don't know that we necessarily know what it is or what we think it is. And I don't know if y'all heard this growing up, but I have noticed that I hear from my parents or my grandparents or my friends and aunts and uncles, whoever, the phrase, I just want you to be happy. Uh, I feel like I hear it all the time. I just want you to be happy. Um, and it sounds really good, but it's like, what does that mean? And I think it's also in like every rom-com you ever see in like a really sweet, sad breakup. They're like, I just want you to be happy. They say that at the end of every time. Um, and what does that actually mean? So we broke it down of what do we think people are actually saying when they say, I just want you to be happy. And I think it is what they really mean, especially our parents or our family when they say that, is I just want you to be secure, comfortable, in love, financially stable, enjoying life, content, and generally pleasant person. I think that's kind of what people mean. They want us to be, I just want you to be content. I just want you to be generally happy. I just want you to be stable. I just want you to be secure. Um, and that's what people really mean when they say that statement, I just want you to be happy. And that sounds really good, and those are not bad things, but it kind of creates a problem. And this is where I think we have a disconnect. The problem is that we can't just be content and comfortable and secure and in love and all these things every single day of our entire lives. Not even most days, probably. Um, and it can lead us to a sense of feeling like we're failing if we're not actually feeling or looking happy on a given day. And so that's the problem. The world is feeding us this definition of happiness uh, that may or may not be totally attainable. Um, and Jesus is saying, blessed or happy are these people that is something totally different. So to recap Jesus's list in comparison to the one I just gave you, um, he says, blessed or happy are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, and the per persecuted. And that list sounds a whole heck of a lot different than the ones that we first said. Very, very, very different list of what would make us happy. Um, so tonight, we're going to look at specifically the one meek and how and why being a meek and humble person can actually lead you to true and lasting happiness. So point one tonight is happy are the humble and meek because they can forgive others. Uh, happy and humble are the meek 
because they can actually give that away. They can forgive others because it's not so much about them. Um, Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander must be removed from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. And that last part I'm gonna read again because it is good. It says, be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Um, and that's hard. <laughs> God, as he's forgiven us, means freely, without condition, when we didn't deserve it. Um, and that is really, really difficult to do. Um, and forgiveness of humans on this planet is really hard. It might be one of the hardest things we have to do um, as people, but it is a command right there in scripture. Um, and I'm kind of convinced there's two types of people in this world, this is a massive generalization, two types of people in this world when it comes to anger or when you're ticked off or when someone makes you mad or whatever. I think you're either a person who likes to like rage and like smash stuff like with a bat or you're a person who likes to like sit and talk about it. And while I know that's a massive generalization, I do think there's some truth to it. And I would say that I firmly land in the camp of smashing stuff. <laughs> and if and when I'm upset about something, I really like to like smash things. My best friend and I in college, we had this tradition, like if we had a bad practice or we got yelled at by our coach or somebody was just being rude or there was family drama or whatever, we would literally take a frying pan <laughs> from our kitchen and some tomatoes and some apples and walk across the street to this like empty field and toss it to each other and just destroy it. Um, because it felt really good at the time <laughs> and it felt like something that was entertaining, life-giving in the moment and would probably make us happy. And while it was all of those things appropriate and I would highly recommend for releasing anger, it did not actually make us any happier. Um, taking all your rage out on someone or taking all your frustration out um, on other people is not actually what leads us to a happy life. Um, choosing to forgive someone, um, choosing to be obedient to Ephesians 4 and walk in forgiveness will bring some peace and joy and happiness to your life. Um, and when I say that, I don't want you to hear me say forgive and forget and invite that person back into your life. That's not necessarily what I mean. I'm talking about choosing to let go of the bitterness and the anger that could really only hurt yourself um, and choosing to humbly forgive someone in the way that Jesus has forgiven us, not necessarily allowing um, that person back into your life without conversations and boundaries and things like that. Um, but the humble person can be happy because they have the freedom and the ability to forgive others. Romans 12, 16 to 19 says, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never repay evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Um, the meek and the humble are willing to forgive and not seek revenge, even and especially when it's undeserved. Romans 
5.8 talks about that's how Christ forgave us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Um, it wasn't when we were all cleaned up and perfect that he chose to do that. So because of the forgiveness we have received, the humble and meek person is able to extend that forgiveness to others. Point number two is happy are the humble because they can enjoy the life that's been given to them. Happy are the humble because they can just enjoy the life that's been given to them without comparison, without expectations, without striving. They can enjoy their life that God has given them. First uh, Peter 5, 5 through 6 says, You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, having cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. When we choose to live lives of humility and meekness, uh, we free ourselves up from lives of striving and people-pleasing. We're not so concerned about what everybody else is doing and what it looks like we're doing and how much we have and how good we are at this and what everyone else thinks of us. Um, it gives us the freedom to just release that and live the life that we have been given right there in front of us. And that is humility and meekness. I know that is so challenging, but that is it. Um, in Psalm 37.3 says, I know I'm quoting a lot of scripture, but it's just so good. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. And that verse has kind of become an anthem for me over the last however long we've been in COVID, eight months, nine months, um, because COVID, the original quarantine, uh, when we were all sent home and we had no idea what was going on, was a people pleaser and performance driven person's worst nightmare. You were in your house, nobody knew what you were doing, nobody cared what you were doing, you were just on your own. I told Andy I would sometimes just like go on runs on busy roads so that people would see me running because I was just like, I need someone to affirm my existence. And um, this verse, Psalm 37.3, the Lord just continued to remind me of uh, because it's talking about cultivating a life of faithfulness rather than a life of importance. It's so simple. Trust in the Lord and whatever happens and do good. Dwell in the land. Live in the land where you're at and cultivate faithfulness. Um, not cultivate importance or status or impressiveness, just genuinely cultivating faithfulness in a faithful life. Um, and when we do that, we release all that pressure um, of other people's opinions and thoughts of us, and it allows us to really live a free and happy life in humility because we're not so concerned about what everybody thinks. James 1.17 says, Every good thing... And every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. And that verse just means every good thing comes from God, like simply. And if we can set ourselves up at a baseline of anything over salvation, getting to know Jesus is a bonus, that will allow us to live lives of contentment and gratitude for every good thing that comes our way. Not comparing um, not being entitled and asking for more and more and more and more, um, not expecting that from God, but truly putting our strong desires for these things under the will of God and saying, everything you give me is good, and I will trust you with whatever happens with my life. 
Um, point three is happy are the humble and meek um, because they can surrender their right to be right. Um, and I know kind of all of these points have been challenging more than just like super encouraging, but the happiest people um, are humble people and happy are the humble people because they can surrender their right to be right. And so in this point, I wanna talk a little bit about what this looks like, how we actually do humility, how we actually do meekness in nature. Um, and I think that means surrendering our right to be right, having to always win the argument, having to always have the loudest voice, having to always have the last word. And Philippians 2, three through eight talks about Jesus doing just this exact same thing. Um, it says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility, consider one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, as he already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being born in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And we can talk about humility and meekness all day long, and we can think of examples and funny stories that make us think about humility and meekness, but in all reality, the most perfect and clear example of meekness, strength under control, is Jesus. Um, he took the strength that he had of being the God of the entire universe there at creation, king of kings over all things, and put that strength under control as he came down humbly as a man um, and lived a life, an ordinary life, for a lot of years prior to revealing himself as the Messiah uh, and going to the cross that he did not have to do. He had every right to tell everyone that they were wrong and he didn't do anything wrong here. He had every right um, to argue and to fight back, but he didn't. And that was the epitome of meekness and humility, surrendering that um, right to be right. And this can look like a lot of different things. Most of us will never be asked to die for our faith. Uh, most of us will probably never be in a situation where that would even be possible or likely. Um, but this verse says to have this same attitude in our daily lives of choosing to die to things that are not necessarily maybe of the utmost importance. And so this can look like several things. The right to be right politically with your opinions and your views uh, this is an area where we could all probably choose to walk in meekness, especially right now. Uh, the right to be right in relational conflict with friends or family or in dating and marriage, um, to not have to win that argument and be right every time. The right to be right in a situation at work where you feel underappreciated or misunderstood. The right to be right in whatever it might be um, that's going on in your world. And um, in that, we really can find, I really do believe this because I feel like I've experienced it throughout life of when you do surrender that right to be right, there is so much freedom there and happiness and joy that can come from that, even though it's really hard to do. Um, and the way I'm wired is I really like to be right. I think a lot of us do. Um, but I go through most of my days thinking about how can I do this right? How can I handle this situation right? How can I not mess this up? How can I do whatever I can do so nobody thinks I've done something wrong. <laughs> Enneagram one, if 
that wasn't obvious. And um, that's the filter that my mind runs through, how to be right. And so because of that, I think a lot of times I can get to these situations where I'm like, I am right, dang it, and I know I am. And so I've surveyed every other possible option. But in those situations, if I get into a discussion, a heated discussion, dare I say argument with someone, and I know I'm right, it still doesn't feel awesome to walk out of there and just destroy someone in an argument, even though I was right. Um, That doesn't feel good. There's not a fruit there that feels awesome. Um, But choosing to handle a situation with meekness and vulnerability and kindness and honesty, that feels really, really good. Um, And I think the Lord gives us these instructions for a lot of different reasons. Um, But a main one is that it will go well for us. It's what we're called to do. It's not to torture us or to make our life really hard or for us to strive and try to be a better and better Christian, but that it really will go well for us in this life. And it's what we're called to do as we love the Lord and live our lives for him. So wrapping this up, um, Matthew 5, 5, again, was happy or blessed are the humble, the meek, the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. And some, these are not all, these are just some reasons I pulled from scripture, um, that the humble can really be happy are because they can freely forgive, they can enjoy the life they've been given, and surrender um, their right to be right. And in this, we can truly find lasting happiness, not that list of security and comfort and love and perfect joy and contentment in every circumstance, Not that list, but the list that Jesus gives. We can find happiness when we choose to put the strength we have in us under control, and we can choose to walk humbly um, in a world that screams, be important, be the best, be louder, be right. Um, So, as always, this information means absolutely nothing. If we just sit here and listen for a few minutes, you'll probably forget in a couple of hours if we don't actually take time to apply it. So we're gonna do 120 seconds here in a second. If you're new here, basically that's just where we take some time and just think about what we just heard, what the Lord may have revealed to us. Um, You can journal, you can just sit there, uh, you can pray, whatever you want. They're gonna play some music. But in this time, Guys, I would just really challenge you to wrestle with some of these scriptures and things that we talked about. Forgiveness is a huge and heavy thing. You might be thinking of like big, big things that have happened, big forgiveness, hard things, and you need to process that with the Lord and probably with your community later. And these are hard things, walking humbly, choosing to surrender your right to be right, Um, choosing to just enjoy your life right where you're at instead of striving for more. So sit there and just try to think about it. This passage and all these other passages that went along with Matthew 5.5 have challenged me a lot. And I think they're meant to. So I would just encourage you that over this next couple of minutes after we're wrapping up, just to sit there and just think. Um, We're gonna have some questions up there. And the first one is, How do you need to adjust your expectations of happiness? What does happiness mean? And why, kind of where are you thinking of that? And how do you need to adjust your expectations of that? Um, Two, who do you need to consider forgiving? I didn't say immediately forgive. Who do you need to consider forgiving in your life? Um, You need to 
probably ask the Lord to help you with that and search out your heart. Psalm 139 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there's any grievous way within me and lead me in the everlasting way. We need his help to be able to do that. So ask him for his help. Um, And then three is, how would your life change if faithfulness was the goal instead of importance? That's a tough one too. Just sit there and think on it. How would your life change if faithfulness was the goal instead of importance? And four, are there any rights to be right that you need to give up? Any areas where you just want to win so bad or arguments that you just feel like you need to have the last word in or people that you don't want to invite back into your life or don't want to forgive or whatever it is. Um, Any areas where the right to be right you need to give up. And so just wrapping it up completely, um, the humble are happy not because it's super easy and fun and awesome to be humble all the time, but because it really does produce this peaceful fruit of righteousness as we walk in obedience um, to God and to the things that he's commanded us to. And the most perfect example I mentioned a second ago of humble obedience was Jesus. Um, When he chose to humble himself in flesh, come to earth so that we could know him. I will never get over that, the fact that God's goal and purpose throughout the whole of scripture was to just be with his people in the garden to when Jesus came to when we get to go be with him again. He wants to be with his people. And so if that's not something you've experienced before and you're like, I don't know what the heck that means, uh, we really would love to talk to you about it. I know we say that every week, but I just can't imagine not. Um, We want you to know that the God of the universe really does want to know you and he wants to be with you. And he was willing to humble himself to the point of death even death on a cross so that he could know you um, and be with you and walk and live your life with you. And if you do know that, let that serve as a reminder that just amps up your soul, um, that God really does love you that much. He really does want to be with you um, and want to live your life with you. So I'm gonna pray and then we will have 120 seconds to think that stuff over. God, we just thank you for today. We thank you that uh, you are good. We thank you that no matter where we're at, if this message was challenging, if it was frustrating, if it was annoying, if it was inspiring, whatever it was, God, that you meet us right where we're at and that you want to hear from us. I thank you that we can come to you open-handedly, not trying to pretend that we are some better version of ourselves that we're not, but just come to you humbly, admitting that we desperately need you day in and day out, every single season, every single time we need you. And we thank you um, that you're willing to meet us right where we're at. We love you so much. And I pray that this time would just be fruitful, that spirit you would work and that um, you would be glorified. In your name I pray. Amen.